there's this culture of martyrdom in the, across the veterinary professions where it's just like nothing is too much to expect of someone. Well, it is. I'm sorry, it is too much to expect for someone to put one person on hold, interrupt the interaction with potentially grieving owner in front of them to then answer the phone call just in case it's an emergency. They've prepped themselves for, you know, an RTA, a, a traffic accident, and it's just someone calling about vaccination prices. It's too much. Welcome to the Veterinary Business Success Show with me, Dr. Dave Nichol. Each episode, we'll be exploring ideas and subjects that can be used to manage your veterinary practice better. On today's show, I'm joined by Dr. Tom Jenkins, CEO and founder of PetsApp. We talk about the interface between technology and people, how generational expectations impact the way we deliver pet healthcare services, and how coronavirus has effectively changed everything. According to Tom, over 90% of pet problems go unaddressed by the veterinarian, a problem he believes can be converted into a huge opportunity by harnessing technology to make medicine more accessible and communications more efficient. He argues that in a time-poor practice, the right message from the right person at the right time can create significant client joy and spread the workload away from the phone and the long-suffering vet receptionist, making client care a genuine whole team effort. But is this music to your ears or just one more ball to keep in the air? So welcome to the Veterinary Business Success Show, Tom. Really cool to have you here. No, pleasure. This is long overdue and one hopes the first of many conversations because the work you're doing is super interesting to me. You're something of a disruptive influence on the profession generally and you've sort of done what all entrepreneurs do as far as I can see watching from a distance and that sort of poke around the model looking for, it's like the Jenga block, the Jenga tower looking for the bit that slips out and you've got to a space there and, and sort of telemedicine is sort of where you set up your camp initially but like all good journeys it, it moves it changes so i wanted to roughly focus our conversation around the subject of telehealth but perhaps more we'll drift toward technology but i just wanted to start with a question a fairly simple question which was telehealth is quite a sizable bucket <laughs> conceptual bucket into which a lot of stuff is thrown and we've been doing it now for a wee while. So I'm curious, what are the current working definitions within the sort of telehealth space? Because there's, you know, there's a little bit of confusion around what it actually meant. I think that still persists a little bit. Let's start with that one. Yeah, it makes sense. The telehealth is the sort of broadest umbrella term for tele just means at a distance, so remotely, and then health, I think we can all look up that in the dictionary if we don't know it by now and so that's the sort of broad overall encompassing umbrella term although it doesn't encompass some of the more interesting components for that we need to go to sort of virtual care and joined up online to offline experiences where actually it doesn't have much to do with health maybe it has more to do with appointments and administration then you have telemedicine which is diagnosis and treatment so medicine done at a distance done remotely and then you have um, teleconsulting which is uh, vet to vet so expert to expert consultation again done at a distance and I I just want to pick up what you said there Dave about disruption this is a disruptive wave coming into our sector into the veterinary professions and I'm just a geek for running veterinary clinics and so my ambition was to set clinics up to respond to disruption, to embrace digital transformation. Because with those broad definitions, there's just so many ways that coming at this 
it's like, well, what's the right approach for clinics to, to address this challenge, but also opportunity? Right. So that is a nice way to sort of segue into you know, perhaps a broader part of that. And, you know, we now have been throwing quite a lot of mud at the wall of this, this sort of opportunity. And, you know, I think we've seen some successful things rolled out in the space. And we've seen some unsuccessful things. You know, there's been some fairly high profile startups within the space, well-funded or well-resourced in any case. They've actually then been rolled back quite quickly. And so I think, you know, part of that for me looking at the, the space is that, you know, we're learning. In any innovation space, you're testing, you're seeing what works, you're pivoting, you're you're conserving your resources and putting them into other areas. What have we learned in the past sort of maybe, you know, it feels like two, three years we've been seriously playing with this. In the last 12 months, basically, we all had to overnight innovate <laughs> some form of telehealth offering. But what have we learned? Yeah, there's definitely been accelerated learning over the last 12 months. But we started PetsApp, you know, two and a half, three years ago now. And we started with a video consulting solution that just had vets on the platform. So again, working with veterinary clinics, it's connecting their population of pet owners to their team of vets, allowing them to consult with those vets remotely. And it was about layering convenience on top of a high trust touch point. And I think that's a recurring theme is if we can layer convenience on top of trust, we'll do well. Currently, we have the trust. You know, we've done surveys of pet owners where they describe their beautiful relationship with their veterinarian, but it's still a high effort experience to come to a vet to address your pet issue. And that's why I think it was the Veterinary Innovation Council in the US estimated only 8% of all pet issues are addressed by veterinary expertise. What we found, though, was video consulting is a pretty shoddy experience, particularly for vets. They just don't enjoy it. You can imagine you're thrown into a consultation with no preamble. You spend the first half of the video consult under the bed with the pet owner trying to retrieve their reluctant cat. And the next half, hoping the cat sneezes exactly as the owner is describing, because if they don't, you don't feel like you've added any value at all. And we're shy billers at the best of times, so we don't feel like we can charge for that time. It's just a big waste of time. That's the general feeling. It's not 100% of the case. There definitely are very compelling use cases for video consulting. You can think of surveying the home environment of a blocked cat after an acute crisis, an aggressive dog that guards, you know, is aggressive in the clinic, I mean, that guards its lameness. Assessing that remotely is useful. But as a general high penetration concept that we're going to be doing lots and lots of video consults out a day, just as if we would a physical consult. It's a non-starter, really. And that's what we found in the pandemic. You know, we had that learning, luckily, a year ahead of time and launched this new product with a text chat backbone to it, which wasn't sort of didn't have such a strong emphasis on the video consult, still had that functionality. But you saw uh, veterinary clinics adopting the technology for the video consult. You know, they were facing having to shut down their clinics, furloughing staff. They were looking for a direct light-for-light replacement of the physical experience. It's just not possible. It's not how it works. That doesn't mean that is not the same as saying using technology to augment our patient advocacy efforts digitally is not beneficial. And that's what you saw going into the sort of second half of uh, last year. People facing pent-up demand with reduced capacity and looking for ways to improve their capacity. I think that's where these tools came into their own. You see this over and over, don't you? I've noticed a similar, just as you were speaking there, the, the 
thing that popped in my head is another really good example of technology being trying to swap in as in a virtual way a like for like experience the other thing we've been doing a lot of is online conferences and the experience of virtual booths sure as somebody going to conferences as of some form of supplier are just garbage the, the notion that people are just going to walk around a virtual exhibit hall when a lecture stops rather than go to their kettle put on you know a cup of tea or coffee it just doesn't it doesn't translate and you see that in the virtual space but you see the the disruptor products that like the hoovers that have actually built in they get the social element of conference interaction and so they're just they've not done booths at all they've just found the digital environment to connect so with that in mind then and with the and i you know i think having several conversations with clinicians of late and you know most of them are bored of looking at people's ceilings or the camera not working or reversing or the you know just exactly as you describe it a fully unhelpful service for anybody so putting that element under the microscope i suppose i've i've got four other questions which i suppose are really formulated around a sort of strategic canvas style question so maybe thinking more broadly then about the technology opportunities in terms of improving patient care or patient engagement or whatever whatever zoomed level on technology you want to take here but so what's working overall what is working a little bit that we need to be doing a lot more of where do you see the space for expansion what do you think we're not doing at present that you have a sense that's probably a mistake and we should be doing as as practice owners what are we over investing in and okay it's a bit helpful but really it's not that that good and what do we really think we just need to stop doing that like what is there enough evidence to say this is stupid stop doing that now and let's put our time and energy someplace else because we've only got so much time and energy to spare yeah 100 percent. that's the fundamental of a strategic decision right it's a consequential allocation of limited resource and the most limited resource is, is time it's interesting because we talk about the video consulting experience in justifiably disparaging terms for the most part but there's existing experiences that we've tolerated for a long long time so anyone can call your practice at any moment of the day no matter what you're doing no matter what's happening in the clinic and there's an expectation that within you know three rings you're going to answer it or you've let that pet owner down and now lots of times you know these very urgent queries go unanswered because you're on the phone to someone with a non-urgent query lots of times you know the phone rings through to the back and you were just taking blood from a particularly fractious cat and that's disrupted um, that moment in your day, you try and return a phone call and you don't get the owner. So you have to leave a, fo- a voicemail and then you trigger this game of phone tag that pursues you throughout your busy working day. You know, each time that phone rings, it might as well be Schrodinger calling about his cat. Like That's the level of uncertainty we're facing with this piece of technology, the telephone that we embrace and subjugate ourselves to unquestioningly. So I think it's time we took on the telephone and said, look, it's there, it's a channel for people to contact us and those people that most need it should have it and they should have access to it. But every time we miss a call, we're letting someone down and it's just not acceptable to raise the expectation that we have on our teams. It's not acceptable to blame our teams for that. They're already stretched. They're already working hard. There's this culture of martyrdom in the, across the veterinary professions where it's just like nothing is too much to expect of someone. Well, it is. I'm sorry. It is too much to expect 
for someone to put one person on hold, interrupt the interaction with potentially grieving owner in front of them to then answer the phone call just in case it's an emergency. They've prepped themselves for, you know, an RTA, a, a traffic accident, and it's just someone calling about vaccination prices. It's too much. So I think that's the thing that we need to stop doing. We need to sort of dial that down. We need to confront the sort of poor set of expectations we've trained owners to have about their interactions with veterinary clinics, and we need to adjust that. And I think one thing that we found does do that, does address this sort of tyranny of the telephone, is asynchronous chat. So allowing pet owners to ask you questions, order medication, book appointments in an asynchronous manner, in a manner that you can engage with in your own time, that you can prioritize at a glance, that's working incredibly well. So let's say you know, someone is asking you for your vaccination prices or is asking for another bag of dog food uh, for Becky, but you're about to go on your lunch. Well, let's set the expectation that for non-urgent queries, you won't reply for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever it is, and let you go and get your lunch before you pick that up. If that had been a ringing telephone, you would have missed your lunch. And that's, you know, we're very used to treating lunch as something trivial in veterinary, but there's very good evidence that hunger, low blood sugar, adversely affects decision making. And you know, we're, we're making professionals making decisions on behalf of clients, on behalf of pets all the time. So if you're not getting your lunch, that's a problem for patient outcomes in your practice. It's not a good thing. And it's not a good thing for your team either. You know, team welfare is not good for business. So I want to pick up on, you know, the, the nature then, because one question pops in my head there is, Management of this is clearly one of the most crucial things because if the phone's ringing right now, we're being overrun. You know, that it, it really that it feels like our position has been overrun. It's actually it's a good analogy, but it's a bad one because it you know assumes that we're being overrun by an enemy. And of course, clients and pets are not the enemy. They're our they're our customer base. They're our lifeblood, and they're why we're there in the first place to help these animals. You know, a word that I've been really i've settled on and it keeps coming up in my head this year is the word is intentional and being much much more intentional in our actions and i think that's a little bit of what you're saying there as well is you know when the phone's ringing there's nothing intentional it's the tyranny of the telephone i love that phrase but when you layer on other things you increase the complexity of a system and now you've got another moving part where potentially balls can be dropped and clients can be, you know, let down in some other way, you know, the chat function on your website, the email that, you know, now you're looking email chat. How do you group all of these things into a a place where you can be confident that they're not going to get lost and you've not just got 10 new ways to upset clients and that, that, you know, reception teams can't feel completely overwhelmed? It's a great question. And I think, one way for us to exceed client expectations is to start by setting them. And I think too often we get trapped in this world that we live in every day. We experience veterinary medicine and the operations of veterinary clinic every day. And so we get trapped by ourselves and our own expectations because that's the way it's done here. Pet owners don't come to your clinic every day. They come twice a year if you're lucky, maybe once a year, sometimes less than that. And that's a shame you know, it would be great if we address more, a greater proportion of pet issues because your local veterinary team is best placed to address your pet's issues. But given that we don't, it also creates an opportunity. It means that each time a pet owner 
comes into contact with your business, with, with your clinic, they're looking for your guidance on what that experience looks like. So every single customer interaction, you have an opportunity to set and reset expectations of the experience. And far too often in veterinary, we set the expectation way up here. You know, we'll answer your call within three rings. We don't. We don't do that. You know, we try, but we don't. And so we set the expectation way up here. We deliver just shy of that. And that's through superhuman effort. And that's how we end up with, you know, the upset clients that we all remember. I think your point there is great, Dave, that clients are not the enemy. The vast majority of clients love vets and their veterinary team. But, you know, if you set expectations way up here and deliver slightly below, you're going to have more upset clients than if you manage those expectations ahead of time and deliver at or above that level. And so with any channel that you're dealing with, you want to say, well, how does this channel manage expectations in a way that my team will comfortably be able to fulfill or exceed? And so every chat on PetsApp starts with an automated welcome message, which says, between these hours, we will respond within this time frame. And you can update that welcome message. You can set those time frames. You know, we want you to use this for this, this, and this, but not that. You know, if it, in case of emergency, please use the telephone or whatever it might be. So you want to make sure whatever channels you're using, that you are able to manage expectations as efficiently and effectively as possible. And as you're saying, you want to consolidate your channels. If someone is communicating with you via text chat, don't say, hey, I'll ring you in a minute. They don't want you to ring them. They want to interact <laughs> via text chat. They want to interact asynchronously because the accordion model of time, you know, when I'm present, I can interact with you real time. But when something comes up, I can drop that and come back to you in half an hour, an hour. That's also beneficial to pet owners. And the other thing is pet owners, because they do hold the veterinary professions in high regard, they are very respectful of our time. If you don't believe this, read the seven odd thousand reviews of Pets app on the App Store where they say it was great not feeling like I was bothering my vet. It was great to be able to ask them a question that they could get back to me in their own time with, right? Yeah. So there's there's these behaviors that we need to encourage, these positive behaviors that we need to encourage. And there's a lot of negative behaviors that we are perpetuating. Today's show is brought to you by Vetex International. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar, or apply, visit vetexinternational.com forward slash leaders. Okay, welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed part one. Let's get into some more meaty content to help you grow your practice in part two. So it feels like in considering this as a question and grappling with this as a question, you know, the concept that is how do we satisfy the needs of a changing demographic as the sort of mantle of ownership is increasingly passing from 
you know, boomer to X to millennial, which feels like a really good trend for veterinary medicine since millennials, you know, yeah. have family later, kids later, massive importance. Like it's just another turn of the screw on on how important pets are in our lives and this level of family integration and human animal bond is just increasingly you know strengthened pandemic has come along and again just highlighted how important pets are to our mental well-being but we've got a complete change from you know generations that did like using the phone i much prefer speaking to somebody because generally i'll say it much faster than i'll type it and also there's a sense of the scatterbrainness that goes with texting social media having five apps open and however much we might think that is bad for good quality deep work doesn't really matter because the societal trend is that's how people communicate and they are having five different conversations at once so you're not actually letting anybody down with that delay and again that word intentional comes back it's looking it's fitting our service around the shape of the lives of the people that we wish to serve in terms of you know, next steps and in terms of ways of engaging, marketing has been a, an area that the profession has been very slow to kind of pick up on, adapt. You know, it still feels like sometimes the conversation rages around whether we should have a website or or whether social media is of any benefit or not. Mm-hmm. And here we are talking about integrated because what we're this is much more about communication than anything else yeah as our conversation is going along that's becoming abundantly clear that that actually these are almost more marketing tools than medicine tools first of all as a question are these tools of you know let's call them integrated communication tools whether they're video consults whether they're text email chat asynchronous messaging services are we really saying that this is a part of the marketing ecosystem rather than the medicine ecosystem it's a big part of, you know, medicine is part of it. And the best interactions that we see on Pets app involve the whole veterinary, t- veterinary team, the whole veterinary team. So you've got the reception, nurse, vet, all interacting and doing their appropriate part of the role. What when things fall apart is when you expect vets to take payment or vets to book the appointment. You know, they're not good at it. They have support staff, the veterinary nurses, the receptionists there. They have their own profession their own role, their own position in the customer corridor that we're exposing pet owners to. Respect that. Set them up to do that. And then you'll set your whole team up for success. But the marketing component is powerful, right? There are huge compliance gaps. There are unambiguous recommendations that we make to pet owners that the pet owner nods along to, says yes to, has every intention of complying with, and then doesn't. And we have to ask ourselves why that happens. And so the marketing here, for example, we've built a product where you can send a push notification campaign to an audience of pet owners that have downloaded Pets app. Now, push notifications are free, right? So you can you can send as many of these as you like through Pets app. Now, the nice thing here is with, say, an SMS text message campaign or an email marketing campaign, what's the call to action? The call to action is phone us. You know, Fluffy's due their uh, flea medication. Phone us to order it, you know, Buster's due his booster. That's by email, phone us to book it in, whatever it might be. Well, that's creating more of these, you know, terrible interactions via the phone call that could come up anytime, be prioritized in the practice for a non-urgent issue. If you do it by push notification, you can put in a payment request there and then you can, you know, respond by chat. You can 
queue up the chats out of hours when you're not open. The owner knows you're not open, but they've responded because they're delegating an item from their to-do list to your to-do list. And they know you'll get back to them in the morning. We've had 13-hour response times. You know, the owner gets in from a late shift, notices they're low on the prescription diet, and they put in the chat, hey, could I get some more of Addy's hypoallergenic food, whatever it might be. And they get a reply at 10 a.m., the next morning from the clinic, they know exactly what food, exactly what, you know, what weight, what size, whatever, because they know the pet and the owner, we collect customer feedback at the end of every interaction. And the owner says, super fast response, 13 mm-hmm. hours versus three rings. And the owner is describing it as a super fast response. So again, it's yeah, the marketing component is huge here, but it's how do you do that marketing in a way that allows you to exceed expectations while requiring no more and preferably less of your already stretched team. When you do this right, the burnout is, I think this is the more, the more significant epidemic that's raging through. I don't think it's just raging through veterinary medicine right now, but, but it's certainly, it's one of our biggest existential threats as I would see it. So, you know, it's the controlling the chaos that matters. So when people are integrating technology well, what are best practices to control the chaos? Start by communicating what's in it for me to the veterinary team, right? Don't just think that this is one more thing that can draw down on this supply of goodwill and they'll just do it, go along with it because you said it. They will see it as just one more thing, one more reason not to get home on time, one more reason to miss lunch, unless you find the compelling value propositions that improve their experience of their working lives. So reducing inbound phone calls, phone volumes, that's a big one. You know, we've seen that you can get about 20% of your patient population onto PetsApp in a couple of weeks. And then you will see this drop in the number of inbound uh, phone calls. And the team sees, ah, this is a preferential way to interact with pet owners because I get to be more in charge of my own workflow. Being in charge, in control of your working day, of your workflow, that's a big part of avoiding burnout and feeling empowered and feeling happy in your role. But it goes beyond that. You know, I did a podcast with Hannah from Pennard Vets, who's a head nurse there. And she was saying that the vets delegated to the nurses the inpatient updates. So when you admit a patient to the hospital, I don't know what it was like when you were working as a vet, but you say something like, don't call me, we'll call you. And then they still call you and you're out the back and you can't get to the phone. And then you try calling the back and it's voicemail again. So it's that game of phone tag again. But instead, the nurse can snap a photo of the pet having recovered from the procedure, send that to the owner. And the owner gets this photo of their lovely animal that they're worried about. And it takes you seconds and it's done asynchronously. So you don't have to connect with the owner at a time that the owner is available. You can even do your discharge consultation in that way. So you're taking this sort of free consultation out of that peak evening consult block and you bring it earlier in the day. And medically, regulatory is just not a worry because you've got the patient in the hospital with you. So you're just improving your workflow. But what Hannah told me this did for the nurses was, if the, the vets were going to delegate the updates to the nurses, they needed to keep them better clinically briefed. So the nurses were working to the sort of fullest extent of their professional remit. But then it also meant there was this one interaction where the nurse sent a message of the pet and said, I'm just about to feed him his lunch. The owner came back somewhat cheekily saying he likes chicken. The nurse was able to say, I'm actually cooking some for him now. And the next photo was this nurse hand feeding that dog some chicken. Now, the nurse was doing all of this anyway, but the owner wouldn't have seen it 
and the owner would not have heard about it. You know, when I was a vet doing discharge consults, I never said, hey, by the way, the nurse hand fed your dog some chicken. It's just, you know, it just didn't come up. There wasn't time for it. I was rushed. But this then creates this great professional satisfaction and recognition for the nurse that what she does matters not only to her patient, but to the owner of that patient. And then pragmatically from a business viewpoint, that spreads the goodwill among the more of the team. So you've got fewer key person risks in your business. So you've got all these win-win-win scenarios. It's like, well, why don't we set ourselves up for this kind of success more often in veterinary medicine? So where's the interaction happening at the clinic end? And I mean, like the tent, the, what's the interface? Is it an yeah, app so, on everybody's phone or is it on a desktop or laptop or where is that? So the clinics have access to the Pets app dashboard via their browser. So that could be on a, a desktop, laptop, tablet, uh, whatever, whatever you like, really. And they also have access to an app so they can have it sort of on a mobile device that they can carry around with them. So typically what happens is the reception team interact via the desktop you know, it doesn't necessarily look the best if your reception team are on their phones, even if they are on Pets app. So that tends to be through the desktop. And the reception team are the most active team on Pets app. They're guiding where the chat should, should go. Does this need to be assigned to a nurse or to a vet? Or can it be dealt with by me and my team? And then the uh, nurses typically have access to a mobile device in the hospitalization area where they can just very quickly snap photos and send them across to clients you know, take a photo of some blood results or a PDF. You could send a PDF via the desktop or snap a photo on your phone and send that via the chat. How many sort of normal blood test results just never get discussed with a client? But them seeing a little bit of science on the screen communicates that value. And it's non-trivial because that means the next time you recommend blood screening to that pet owner, they've seen the value. They understand the value proposition more and they're more likely to comply. These compliance gaps don't emerge on their own. It's doing things like blood test results that the owner never hears about or sees that opens up these compliance gaps. So keep keep those closed. Vets tend to sort of use it either in the consult room or on the go on their phone. There's more of a split, a split there. But it's also about operational flexibility. What works for you in your practice? I remember when I was running clinics, people would try and sell me beautiful software that worked great if you used it just so. But the problem with vetting clinics is we face huge operational complexity. And we've all assembled our own Apple cart to deal with that operational complexity. And if a piece of software comes in that creates a dependency in terms of how you run your clinic, it's just not going to work. It's going to upset the Apple cart. So you want to look for operational flexibility. Can it be used in a way that suits the operational reality of my vetting clinic? Yeah. Does it fit the shape of not just your practice owner's life, but of the practice team's life as well? Uh, Tom's fascinating kind of conversation and insight into where things are at on the sort of on the spectrum of patient care patient support I suspect there's an awful lot more to discuss but um where can people go learn a bit more about you and your work where's the best place for them to check you out i'd encourage them to go to um, petsapp.com um, happy to give anyone and everyone a demo of what we've built. Very proud of what we've built. Uh, we've also got the Pets App blog, which has our webinar series on there with subjects ranging from pricing in veterinary medicine. There's a Harvard professor of happiness on there giving a talk to the veterinary world. Which one was that? We had Dr. Robert Waldinger, who's a top yeah. 10 TED speaker, who is in charge of this 80-year study into what makes people happy mm-hmm. and so he, he sort of brings those insights and says you know how do we apply this to our professional 
lives. I really enjoyed it. So I would encourage people to check that out. And then I'm I'm on LinkedIn. So just look me up, uh, Tom Jenkins. And the Tom has an entirely unnecessary H in it. So just, just be aware of that. Just to create a little bit of extra challenge. It's just unique, Tom. Unique. Yeah, that is, that's it. I just want to be unique like everyone else. <laughs> well, the conversation has just gone so fast and flown by. But thank you for your time, I suppose. Maybe, you know, it's the definition of doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. There's something that makes me want to link that to looking in the box and finding Schrodinger's cat alive in veterinary medicine, even though we clearly know we're flogging it to death. And I think, you know, technology is, you know, again, it's this word intentional. It's actually not accepting that we have to be all things to all people in all times and all moments, but that using our minds and then our mind and then technology to support the work we do it seems to make an awful lot of sense and how we remodel our shape your know, shape of our service for the future as we emerge from coronavirus so tom thank you so much for your time and expertise appreciate it thanks for having me on lovely having a chat thank you so that wraps up today's episode of the veterinary business success show i hope you enjoyed it and if you did it would be most appreciated if you would leave a review on itunes and tell your friends in veterinary medicine all about us until next time from all of us here at vetx international be safe be well and be happy